0: to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. All right, today's discussion is called Marital Rape Laws in India. Just to give you guys a brief background. So as you know, right now in the Delhi High Court, uh, there are multiple pleas being heard uh, about this subject. It's been there in the news and there was quite a bit of discussion on the same. So um, I was thinking of, you know, basically doing a podcast that talks about the history of Marital rape laws in, in general in India, what are the discussions about it? So, as always, I requested Nikhil to explain the legality of the issue. So, Nikhil, thanks for coming.
1: Hi, Kushal, how are you? We've been how seeing a cool lot of idea. each other over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and we'll be seeing each other again in the uh, next weekend. So, okay. <laughs> okay, so Nikhil, so let's start like this. Pele honestly, and I'll be very, I tried to read, I tried to understand what it is, but basically what is the legal status when it comes to marital rape in India uh, and what is the journey? Can can we start a little bit with that so that people have a fair idea about what it is all about?
1: Yeah, yeah no, I think it is very important to start with that because it is very easy to look at very, something as at first principles distinct as a woman's right to ownership of equal ownership of property or equal inheritance and marital rape as being two completely unconnected separate things. Right? It's as it's, This is how a logical mind would at first glance think of things, but they're all connected. So I, I think there is first a little bit of legal history and a little bit of male shaming that needs to be done. Uh, particularly a lot of philosophical shaming that needs to be done. And once we are past that, then I will be able to, then I will be in a position to explain where the exemption from marital rape originated and how it's developed, especially under UK law. What is, then I will have to come to Indian law and say, what is the structure of the, the law of rape in India? Because unlike, uh, the Indian rape statute is unlike most of any other statute in the world. It is ex Extremely detailed and extremely well defined. Uh, and often tends to try to overcome two things. One is the natural difficulty of proving rape as a charge in any kind of rape. Forget about marital rape, but in any kind of rape. And the second, the sort of policing deficiencies that we have. Right?
0: So, so... Akman Nikhil, just, just before we get into the legality, I just wanted to share. A few facts about marital rape itself. I think it's only better that I share it in the start. So I came across this uh, print article, which does a good job. So I'm just going to share the screen and read it off. So it starts with here. One in every 25 women in India reported being subjected to sexual violence by her husband often or sometimes. According to the data from the National Family Health Survey 5, conducted in 2019 to
1: 2021
0: further the issue appears appears to be more prevalent in some states than others with karnataka bihar west bengal and assam topping the list in the survey ever married women between the age uh, between the ages of 18 to 49 who are currently or previously married were asked about the different types of violence they faced from their spouse Based on data from 26 states, data from Tamil Nadu, Arunachal Pradesh, Odisha, and Union territories other than Jammu and Kashmir were unavailable on the NFHS5 portal, nearly 4% of women, 4% overall average, obviously different states have uh, different variations, reported facing sexual violence often or sometimes in their in their marriage. However, the percentage was considerably higher in Karnataka, which is 9.7%. Bihar, 7.1%, <coughs> West Bengal, 6.8%, and Assam, 6.1%. Now, this is uh, an infographic uh, from uh, the print, the print which shows the trend of sexual violence from husbands. Percentage of women facing sexual violence sometimes or often. So from NFHS 4 to NHFS 5. And the worst are Goa, Karnataka, Maharashtra, Assam, Rajasthan, the best are Manipur, Tripura, Haryana, Bihar, Nagaland, where the figure seems to have uh, gone on the other direction. Um, now, this is also important. Um, compared to data from NFHS-4, which was conducted in 1516, the percentage of women who reported sexual violence in their marriage increased to 9.7% from 6.3% in Karnataka. In contrast for Bihar, the percentage declined from to 7.1% from 12.2%. Now, <clears throat> you know, again, uh, I don't want to get into specific cases of uh, courts itself and stuff like that, but why I read this, uh, the these data points is like, a lot of times, uh, because Nikhil raised a very important point, that we need to start with the societal angle and the philosophical argument about the subject itself. So you know, a lot of times people will say, hota hai? So which is why I shared this. This is the you know foremost source we can cite as far as uh, the data and the problem itself in India is concerned. And we need to also consider one biggest factor when it comes to sexual assault, rape, and a lot of these offenses is m- most of the highest number of underreportage. Cutting across the globe happens in these sorts of cases because of the, uh, you know, problems women face uh, in, in general. So also, I, I,
1: sorry, you should clarify that when you say these sorts of cases, you don't mean merely marital rape. You mean sexual assault of all sorts.
0: Yes. Yeah, all sorts. Sexual assault, marital rape, uh, eve teasing, many other cases. The um, A lot of time women don't report it. Another shocking incident that I found out was um, that the highest amount of assault on women actually happens from the immediate family circle, which was the most depressing point in this entire thing when I was reading up on it. Now that I've laid out this, now Nikhil, uh, uh, I give it back to
1: you. Right. So, uh, rape is as old as time. And so therefore, what we have to look at is why has it forever and ever in every single jurisdiction in the world been such a difficult crime to prosecute? Uh, and what were the theories that actually made it almost immune from prosecution for prolonged periods of human history, right? So there is a little bit of feminist theory that I'd like to highlight here. And their proposition is that women have been subjugated to male desires and wishes since the dawn of the species because of nature's design of the female and male bodies. Women was forced by nature to accept man as a protector and a subjugator, and thus women became dependent on man after centuries of domestication by protective mating and this is really what, what this sort of goes to is one is the, is is the species need to perpetuate second is the hostility of the environment that you that humanity sort of arose in think of cavemen so on and so forth uh, and this established a natural sort of subordination role where there was no scope in the way society was developing for that subordination to be breached and broken. Or at least we don't get much evidence of it. That is not to say, and I should not be heard to say, that female cavemen couldn't have handled you know, tigers and lions better or couldn't have handled them as well. But they were just simply never considered in the position because they are the vessel that is the child carrier. And therefore, in a sense, much more important to protect. Because without them, the species will not survive. You can imagine what life expectancy at that time would have been. You go hunting in the morning, some come back, some don't come back. Right? As simple as that. So this was how the sort of initial dominion of men over women existed and was created. Over time, as humans began to band together into protective communities, the societal view of women is chattel predominantly. And this is very important. The looking of the the, regarding of women is property. Right? And if someone physically harmed a man's wife or daughter, he had effectively committed a crime against the male estate. So, what you are seeing now is the conversion of a human being into pure chattel. We talk of slavery, we talk of so many other crimes that either expressly do this or attempt to do this. But the male-female relationship has always sought to do this. This was really the philosophical basis of almost all law. And I know this will be shocking to a lot of people. But this is actually the truth. This is how it, it sort of originated and developed. And you can have, and this is not, it is not as if there are exceptions on this philosophy in different countries or in different cultures. This is fairly unanimous, right? Now, so much so that early Roman law and early Roman law and and Roman law in general and the Roman Empire in general is a major inspiration for English law and the English colonial empire that came thereafter, right? In early Roman law, the, the concept of property of women as chattel had progressed so far that they had a singular offend, offense called raptus. And raptus was the taking of property. It didn't matter whether it was actual physical property or a woman. So there was, there was that parity. And you will find that in these older legal systems, and in fact, all pretty much through parts of medieval times as well, actually fairly late in certain jurisdictions through the 18th century or so, there was very little distinction between the law of abduction and the law of rape. That abduction was that is a taking of property. Abduction and was the main offense, and rape was merely a consequence of the abduction.
0: That's so disgusting.
1: It is, it is. So this is why you know there is there is it it is important to shock people with these are the underlying theories. Right. It is important that people understand when you defend certain things, what values you are defending. Now, as this uh, progressed, we develop marriage rituals, right? And, and if you look at the marriage rituals of almost any religion, of almost every, any society, any culture, uh, there is the concept of giving up your own body. Right? So in Christianity, the wife promises in her marriage to honor and obey her husband. This comes from the concept of chattel, forsaking all others to keep only unto him as long as both shall live. These are actual vows from the Bible. Hmm. Other cultures have required a dowry, which ensured that new husband would have adequate wealth to care for his new property. The concept of dower and dowry comes from here as well. This is the root point. Right? Under Roman law, the woman's father would provide goods for the new husband and wife, which was known as the dos. All that property which on marriage is transferable, transferable by the wife herself or by another to the husband with a view of diminishing the burden which marriage will entail upon him. And this is the subsequent medieval concept of the bride price. This is this is the concept of dowry. Right? It is not merely. There are modern reductions of these things because you see an otherwise equalized society. So you are able to reduce these heinous ideas to say, oh, this is only a gift. Oh, this is only to allow the new couple to move forward together. The root concept was that you have now taken on a burden and that burden didn't exist prior. But I am losing a burden. Right. As the father, I certainly don't have this burden so i must pay to you something so that you can discharge the burden that i am placing upon i mean i, I like how disturbed you are looking this is going to go on for a bit uh, this the is concept of very bride,
0: very depressing
1: it is depressing the concept of bride price was meant to ensure that new husband was actually buying the person and services of a virginal wife who was taste and free from disease Right. oh my god and as you would then imagine as with any set of goods there are high value goods and there are low value goods and virginal goods in the case of a wife are high value goods and therefore the value in bride price for them was high, as compared to others who may be non-virginal and therefore regarded as unchaste or who at any point in time been driven into slavery and therefore lost the budget. the bride price for them was low Often the unchasteness of the woman was a result of rape, but this typically did not diminish the societal view that she had somehow conspired with the man in the loss of her chastity by rape. When you look at women as chattel, and when you look at them as only property, and you look at virginity or virtue as only a weighing measure for this evaluation, then you generally regard that the property itself as somehow colluded. Because this is a rare form of property that has intention, that I, that is a human being, that, that has intention, that has capacity to collude, that has capacity to join. So this is really you know underlying theory. Now, as with all bad ideas, Kushal,
0: hmm.
1: once they take root and they are for the benefit of one superior group, when the opposition starts coming to these ideas, they start evolving chameleonizing Hmm. is what i would call them right they it's the same thing that kind of becomes a little bit more different and then a little bit more different but is essentially just a new word of ideas a new word salad that is trying to protect at the core the same earlier concept right so three important legal fictions existed at common law at different points in time. And common law, just to be clear about this, the Indian system is a common law system. A lot of our lawmaking is common law lawmaking. And the common law, in its purest form, was all was that law would be all judge-made law, not parliamentary law, right? And that judges would determine through interrelation through cases that have already been argued by parties what would what the law would be. And therefore, jury system became important because you did not want just one judge determining all of this. You wanted juries to be able to state the societal view on this as well. So the case mm. law becomes the source of the law. After parliament became a more prominent entity in the 14th, 15th century, parliamentary law usurped the sovereign power of lawmaking from the courts. But the courts still retained that they are the ones who are going to declare the law you will pass the law but the courts declare the law that is they interpret the law and their interpretation is binding on future cases that really in a very in a, in a nutshell uh, definition is the common law right so in common law judges are evolving these theories because in the uk and this will be shocking to a lot of people sexual offenses weren't actually legislated till the till 1976 Whereas they had done legislation of sexual offenses in the Indian Penal Code as early as the 1870s, 1880s with mm. subsequent modifications as well, right? We were an experiment for them in certain respects. And this is, by the way, one of the arguments of the colonialist race that things that were progressive that we were not doing unto ourselves in the UK, we were doing for you. So mm. the first theory is what I somewhat elucidated on already, which is the woman is chattel theory that a woman was the first property of her father and her marriage became the property of her husband. In case somebody is curious, I'm actually reading from notes that I've made from various sources in preparation for this. Uh, And this was the disturbing sort of corollary and a natural corollary doesn't need much imagination to understand this corollary. Is that if a woman was merely property, she had no individual human rights. Right? Hmm. And the husband who perpetuated uh, rape on his wife is merely using his property in a manner he saw fit. Hmm. Let that sink in. Now, this is, of course, so appalling. So appalling in terms of a moral position and. In yeah, I don't have work. words. Yeah. So, but, but let me be clear about this. I am not reading to you things. That are outside of actual justifications given throughout the development of the law. Mm. These are not points of analyses that I am raising. These are actual descriptions in legal documentation at times. Mm. Right? <clears throat> now, this women's chattel theory now modifies itself into something called. Coverture. Uh, By definition, it meant that the condition or state of a married woman, the legal disability that formerly existed at common law, whereby the wife could not own property, free from the husband's claim or control. Being thus legally disabled, the wife had no recognizable legal rights, independent of those shared with her husband. And offshoot of the coverture idea was the unity's theory. That will come later. But now at least what you've gone and said is that now she, she, she has rights, but those rights originate from the husband. Right. So now you can have some ownership of property. And this is why I said taking the idea of inheritance on one side and marital rape on the other side might seem completely disparate, but they're actually connected because one does until one develops the opposition to the other doesn't come. Right. So the culture mm. theory now allows, and what it says is that women can obtain property rights. That disability of the chattel theory is gone because property cannot own property. Hmm. So women, when they were regarded only, in legal theory is only chattel. They could not own property. But now the coverture theory says, all right, this is a human right that we confer upon you. We recognize your humanity. But the source of your right will come from your husband. Okay. And this is when women are still not allowed to inherit anything from the parental side. Everything goes to the son.
0: You know, i was reading a beautiful 1975 paper about the hindu code bill dealing with all these things you know different laws at different times it's, it's and and no, this is very material
1: and I, and i would urge you later on in this podcast to describe this paper because what i'm going to try and say is that my last my final thematic argument here is that if every single element and Uh, sorry, every single element and every single ingredient or what constituted the logical basis for an exemption from marital rape has fallen apart. Then marital rape itself must fall apart. That is why I'm taking the long route starting from this point here and going downwards. Right? Hmm. So the unity theory was... that upon marriage, they became one entity. And that entity is not a new entity. It is not a third entity. In our modern legal systems today, your marital harmony is a third entity. Therefore, there are joint ownerships, Mm. right? Which can be passed into individual ownerships. So one example of your joint entity creating a third entity is for example no problems of taxation no problems of uh, Benami, etc when you are transferring from husband to wife unity but independent status as well right that hmm. independent status is unity and the surviving entity is the husband
0: no no you
1: you are something but then there should be no husband but once there's a husband you are the husband <laughs> we, this is so I mean, stupid is, so so you know this is this is the thing i mean you you look at how rapid scientific development has been in the last hundred 150 years right compared to the preceding 10,000 years or more, the last 100, 150, 200 years, was so rapid. We, to, we also got rid of thoughts like these over that type period. They go hand in hand, all mm. of this kind of data. Now, if you will recall, when we, were, when we had done a podcast in free speech, I'd introduced to you a gentleman by the name of William Blackstone. And William mm. Blackstone uh, had established the first statement of what amounts to free speech as a legal principle, a statement that America had accepted and the UK had accepted, right? And it still to date remains the broadest enunciation of free speech. That is William Blackstone speaking for men, okay? That is William Blackstone speaking for men and their rights and how expansive he views their position and their rights. Now, let me tell you, William Blackstone speaking in the context of women. Hmm. In his commentaries, the very same commentaries in which he also spoke of the right to free speech, which I had cited to in our previous podcast, in the same book, the very being or legal existence of the woman is suspended during the marriage marriage, or at least is incorporated and consolidated into her husband. The idea behind the unity theory was to inspire and perpetuate marital harmony. With only one person in the household who could give orders, there could be no confusion as to the identity of the master so long as the marriage, marriage relation continues, the law allows but one will between them, which is placed in the husband as the fittest and ablest to provide and govern the family.
0: Yes, Shabash.
1: Matlab, when he's talking about men, what a broad libertarian, what a thinker, right? And suddenly when he's talking about women, you could not be how much more aggressive can you be? I mean, you can really you can try harder, I'm sure, but you know, this is pretty much the bottom line, right?
0: You know, what is scary isn't ye, Yeah,
1: it's not that old. It's it's 19th century, some of it is early 20th century.
0: Yeah. That's the scary
1: bit. No, no and then the scariest bit to this is the, the the underlying statement of law that established in common law the basis of marital rape is from 1736 and went almost unchallenged all the way to 1954 or so. Well, from which time some small exceptions started to get carved out, and didn't disappear in the UK till '91. Take a progressive country like Finland. Finland had the law of marital rape as an exception to rape till 1994. So we really—it's not that old, all of this, you know. And I'll explain why societies struggle, why they struggle with these exceptions. But anyway. <clears throat> I just, I want to read the kind of, once once the issue started to develop, right? In the 20th century in particular, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people coming forward and saying, this marital rape exemption is rubbish. Just for a second, Krishna, sure, because in case people are confused as to what the exemption itself is, mm. can you just pull up 375 for a moment?
0: Sure, I'll do it. I'll pull it up immediately. Section 375 of the IPC. There, there you go. It's on the screen.
1: Right. Can you come to exception two? It'll be okay. after. You see firstly, fifthly, sixthly, seventhly.
0: This is sixthly, and then exception it comes over here. Haan.
1: Exception one, exception two, Lena.
0: Accenture two manager is my first Haan, I know, against... I know,
1: I know where you are. I know i keep going. You've gone to B exception 2 to the proviso anyway I'll read it out uh, chalo. Hmm. is it just Neche one nahi,
0: page hi hai. Hi hai bata hai. I guess jo khola hai, wo pura nahi hai.
1: yeah you haven't got the full one chalo, okay. what it reads is sexual intercourse or sexual acts by a man with his own what? wife the wife not being under the age of 15 is not rape what yes that is the exception yes Right?
0: And. But how can that be so? That's so ridiculous.
1: Right. No, no, no. I'm just explaining what it is. This was the exception. Just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. Right? You can remove this. Okay.
0: Ekhmetni, uh, I think.
1: Uh, what I'll do is I will get you a problem, section 375 and forward it to you. And you can then. Uh,
0: yeah this is uh, my brain cells are hurting matlab <laughs> log <laughs> this is unbelievable I'm just trying to digest it as we go live so people are like this is the thing when you do some things live I mean sometimes you just can't digest them and this is one of those moments I'm just reacting as I watch it happen and um, this is messed up to say the least oh my god there were human beings actually writing this stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you why they were writing it as well, right?
0: Oh, so you're talking about that with a woman under 16 years of age, with or without consent, that was exceptions to 370. I got it. I got it. I'll pull it out. I'll pull it out
1: now. No, no, it. no. I'm I'm I sending it. it to you again. On your yeah, channel yeah, channel. Yeah,
0: yeah. exceptions to three 375, exception two. No, when no, there no, is but sexual
1: inter- one it's a state amendment. I, I want the full one, I've just sent it to you again.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, What's
1: on your Charvak podcast email?
0: Okay, I'll open up my email. Cool, all right, okay apologies to the people who are watching this live but it is what it is we have to share the screen because all right
1: right so as of now i'm not going to go down uh, i don't require more of this but i'm going to come back to what i was saying earlier
0: so this highlighted bit is a section 2 that you will just read out
1: yeah on the screen yeah yeah okay so you can you can move away from this now It's not Mm -hmm. not material to what I'm going to do now. Okay. Now I'm going to read certain justifications for the law of rape. I I found these paragraphs very, very interesting. Right. I found these paragraphs interesting because a a lot of the argument even today that we are hearing before the Honorable Delhi High Court is not dissimilar to some of these justifications against the law of marital rape. Right. Nobody today. Let me be crystal clear about this, and this is in fairness to everyone who is arguing uh, the case before the High Court. I don't think anybody, even the men's rights forums, have not taken the position. Have taken the position that there simply cannot be a law of marital rape. They have taken the position there can, but you. But this has to be left to Parliament for Parliament to determine what how it is to be done properly. And I. Mm-hmm. I have some small amount of empathy for that position because of the legal structure of the law of rape in India. And hmm. we'll have to explain that. Right. And, and obviously, also the supervening problem, because you have to present both sides, that consent operates very differently in marriage versus in a non marital situation. Hmm. Right. The giving or not giving of consent is a much more difficult concept in both these situations, different situations. Anyway, leave that be. So there have been several justifications offered for recognizing a marital rape exemption. Among the fears of jurists was that if rape were recognized as a crime that men could perpetuate on their wives, the women would fabricate rape charges against their husband and use them, use these charges for some kind of revenge. Right? the problem is that the law of 498A in India, the law of domestic violence in India, courts have repeatedly said that these are trumped up, fabricated charges coming up repeatedly. So under Hmm. the law of cruelty, under the best possible intentions, 498A was drafted in, right? And the idea was that that since dowry and dowry death was such a massive problem, but if an allegation so much of of dowry arose, arrest was automatic. Hmm. It was automatic. Hmm. And then it was a
0: draconian look. law, basically.
1: So you call that draconian, but the societal problem was far more draconian, right? So until that fear came in, what could
0: I agree do? with you, but I'm just trying to give the there are argument
1: you I've heard many times. There are no good solutions to these things. Anyway, hmm. about 15, 16 years of experience later, the Supreme Court itself said the, the preponderance of fake cases is just too much. Hmm. And I don't just, you know, this is very conveniently just blamed on women. I'm sorry, lawyers are at the heart of this. Lawyers are the ones who go and say, please file this complaint in this way, as I am telling you, because this will be to your benefit. Hmm. Right? Anyway, so that's the first one. The next is, the fear existed that recognizing crimes within marriage would permit state intrusion into the privacy of the marriage, thus prohibiting the man and wife from reconciling the problems on their own. Right? So in any event, these are justifications that existed at the time at which a very famous concept used to exist in, Indian, in, in, in common law. And common law applies in India, in US, many other countries, all commonwealth countries, right? Which was the law will stop at the bedroom door. But what it did not restrain was a heinous concept called the restitution of conjugal rights. If a woman ran away from her husband, right, and did not wish to reside with him, he could file a petition effectively in the nature of habeas corpus saying, put her back in my own house. Put her back in my bed. That's the theory. Let me not even be polite about this. Put her back in my bed. Conjugal rights. Restitution of conjugal rights. This would be decreed. So against your will, you'd be brought back into that home and into his bed. Now you have no marital rape, you have a marital rape exemption. So you're going to suffer all kinds of heinous domestic violence and sexual assault. And the law stands with some archaic theory or the other saying, none of this is any kind of whatsoever. In fact, we will be party through a restitution of conjugal proceedings order or a decree. We will be party whatever sexual assault that you commit, because we will facilitate it by bringing her back. Right? Hmm. And of course, the famous one, the exemption was also justified on the grounds of marital rape was simply not as serious as other types of rape and that wives were adequately protected by other legal ideas such as assault statutes, which typically provide less severe penalties. This argument in a much more sophisticated form is being raised even today in the proceedings before the Delhi High Court. That because law of cruelty exists, law of domestic violence exists, there are enough remedies to protect women. And a charge against rape, a charge of rape needn't be brought. In, in fact, that problem. was
0: something that I was going to ask that when, when we frame laws isn't the most important and most effective point that when we frame laws is that do we need the law or do we need an amendment or do we need a completely separate new regulation itself, right?
1: So this is these are all questions that have been raised. One of the biggest stumbling blocks for the petitioners in this case, by the petitioners I mean people who want to propound the position that marital rape cannot be exempted is that in effect what you're asking a court to do is to legislate a fresh offense Hmm. and that power should only lie with parliament right I'm going to now deal with how this law develops in England because how it develops in England is eventually uh, the basis on which it develops in a lot of common law countries but there still remain including us 36 countries in the world in which law of marital rape doesn't exist. I mean, in the sense that the immunity to rape in marriages exists. Right? So, there is, in the 20th century with the suffragette movement, Hmm. and therefore the accordance of voting rights, equal voting rights to women, the evolution of property rights, where inheritance can now be made in the favor of a daughter. And mm-hmm. really all it is, is or to say these things are great grand conceptions that arise out of nothing. It's not necessarily true. There were a lot of rich English heiresses who had entered into society. They had become editors. They had become publishers. They had become journalists. They were writing more about all of this. I mean, I, I I say this a little flippantly, but I'm sure a lot of your viewers have seen Downton Abbey and one of the daughters in Downton Abbey to the total uh, aghast and appall of the dowager. She's called the dowager because she brings the dowry. Uh, mm. She becomes an editor of an English broadsheet in London. Right. So this is when women's issues start coming forward. When they start coming forward, now what happens is that the law also starts to develop. So in, in the UK in 1949, in 1954, 1958, two or three judgments arise that say, look, if you have had either a legal separation or a judicial separation, right? You have broken that old unities theory. And if in that period of judicial separation, the man were to commit rape, that cannot be exempted. Hmm. Right? So at least some... Now, bear in mind that judicial separation is not the same as divorce. So even if a judicial... A judicial separation is the, is the decree saying that we wish to live apart. Right? But you're still married. So it is still within the context of marriage. And therefore, it is regarded as an exemption to mantle rape at that point in time. But those judgments were still stuck on technicalities. They were still saying, when you say judicial separation it should be judicial separation as recognized by law that is there should be a decree behind it saying you are judicially separated or an agreement between the parties that you are that you are legally separated merely living apart would not suffice okay and then 1976 comes and 1976 they finally legislate uh, sexual offenses. And the definition of rape, though, has one very tricky word. The definition of rape says, uses the word unlawful sexual act. When you use the word unlawful sexual act, you get the feeling that the definition itself is creating the exemption of marital rape. Because sex within a marriage is lawful. Hmm. Right? This is how one side interpreted it. And it posed problems for the courts going forward. But be that as it may, 1990, a law commission report is issued in the UK and it still does not legislate, it still does not advise that marital rape exemption should be granted. And it still, sorry, the marital rape, it still perpetuates the marital rape exemption. But three cases arise in 1991. And all three cases eventually reach the House of Lords. But three separate cases, and the first and most famous, and this is the header case, that eventually became the header of the House of Lords cases. R versus R, Regina versus Regina, because the names of both parties were excluded. The wife had left her husband and moved in with her parents. The husband told his wife on the telephone that he was going to see about a divorce and then broke into her parents' home and raped her. The trial judge found that the wife could unilaterally withdraw her consent to sexual relations with her husband by withdrawing from cohabitation and thus clearly indicating her withdrawal of the implied consent. So this is more development of the law. Bear in mind, I told told you earlier, just now, that judicial separation was a basis of breaking this marital code. Right? But judicial separation requires formal legal steps. Now a trial judge is holding, I don't need formal legal steps. Once you breached cohabitation, broken cohabitation then there is enough indication to the man that consent has been withdrawn. right? Mm. This is still the trial judge. Case. So the trial judge holds that the man rape exemption will not apply. The judge yes. left the factual issue of rape to the jury, but the husband pleaded guilty before trial. He didn't want judgment on this. Justice Owen found that in this situation where the wife had moved out and the husband telephoned to discuss getting a divorce, unilateral actions of each of the parties clearly led to a mutual understanding from which the wife's non-consent could be implied. Right. This was an expansion mm-hmm. of the previous case law doctrine, as here the actions of the parties alone was sufficient to establish the wife's lack of consent. No further judicial actions were required were needed to make the arrangement binding. Like I said, you didn't need a decree of judicial separation. And then came R versus C, where again something similar was something similar had happened, and the judge wrote happily. Perhaps my ruling matters substantially less in this case than many others, noting that other charges that the defendant faced were equally serious as rape. Therefore, his decision regarding whether the exemption still existed in English law would not materially affect his accused's eventual fate. He found, however, that the position of in law today is as already declared in Scotland, that there is no marital exemption to the law of rape. That is the ruling I gave. So he gives an express ruling that there is no exemption to the law of rape. Marital exemption to the law of rape. Scotland had already done this in the mid-80s and done it with an excellent resounding judgment saying this simply cannot be. Right, and then comes R versus J. And R versus J creates is the first question, is the first judgment, and creates the opposite judgment. This is the judgment that goes and says that word unlawful in the 1976 enactment of sexual offences. That creates a problem to any judge holding that marital rape does not exist. That marital rape exemption has now been removed in common law. A judge cannot say this now that the statute is passed. Remember, when I was explaining common law, I was saying that judges develop the law. But when it comes to uh, statute being passed, statute is the law. You are merely interpreting it and declaring it. So once the statute comes and says only unlawful sexual acts would amount to rape, the word unlawful would create a problem. And I'll quote from him. He... Looks at the R versus C, where Justice Simon Brown had said that I am clear that there is no marital rape exemption. And this is what he says in relation. He was prepared boldly to cut the Gordian knot and to hold that the statement of the law of Scotland, as appears in the record of S versus HM in 1989, should apply to England too. In other words, to sweep away an out of date rule and declare the marital exemption no longer existed. If I felt free to do so, I should certainly follow this imminent sensible line. To anyone accustomed to the late 20th century equality of the sexes, it must be totally repugnant that a wife is deemed by no more than what is a fiction to consent to the submit to her to consent to submit to her husband's demands for sexual intercourse, whatever the circumstances. It is true that there is a danger that the abrogation of the rule might lead to a spate of false claims from spiteful or disgruntled wives, but I consider this something which the trial process will have to deal with. But the intervention of the statute has precluded my any up-to-date declaration of the state of common law on this subject. The matter has now become one of statutory interpretation and remains so. It seems to me that if Hale CJ's rule is to be declared, no longer law it is for Parliament alone to declare it. I only express the hope that this case may play its small part in advancing such a declaration. So that word unlawful did to him. Now what does he say? He says there's a legal fiction at the heart of the marital rape exemption. And what is this legal? It's called the Hale's law, Hale's rule. It was in 1736, an English jurist, maybe it may have been chief justice, Sir Matthew Hale had stated, The husband cannot be guilty of a rape committed by himself upon his lawful wife. For by their mutual matrimonial consent and contract, the wife had given given herself up in this kind unto her husband, which she cannot retract. And similarly, in 1803, a husband cannot be guilty by ravishing his wife on account of the matrimonial consent, which she cannot retract. So, This is one of the issues that keeps arising. Does matrimony amount to open consent? Right? This is Uh, a layer. Sorry?
0: Obviously, no.
1: (laughs) I, I know what you're saying. Now, I'm going to come back to those judgments that I was reading. Now the court of appeal sided with the idea that because statute is passed by parliament and the word unlawful is used, now judges can't alter this. This has to now be altered by parliament only, and this is an argument being raised today before the Delhi High Court. So I, I'm, I'm, I am giving to you in a in what will seem an odd way. The arguments of the Delhi High Court through the history of English law. Because they're all reappearing. Okay. There are no good new arguments. There is no good new argument, right? These are the same uh, arguments.
0: That... Basically, this is a universal issue. Because if you read religious texts, then my, the first thing was the idea the spirit, or the human or the biblical canons, or the Quranic hadiths, when I was reading this issue, the conceptual uh, movement was wo that. Women are chattel, Chattel say progress okay property and commodification pay a
1: ha, So now the problem that they had was if they accepted this broad definition of the word unlawful under the act, you had over a hundred years of common law history that was creating ex- exceptions to the law of marital rape. All of that would get erased in one go. Right. So the, that they thought was, this is not going to this is not going to work. I mean, we, we can't accept an interpretation that erases everything in one. Place. So there was a second alternative, which was called the compromise solution. And that said that the word unlawful ought to be construed to allow all of the exemptions that had been established in modern times to still apply in mandatory rape cases. The drawback to this idea was that it would permit additional exceptions to be identified in the future. The court felt that this would eventually lead to similar problems of definitions and interpretation in the future and thus lead to... Instability in domestic relations law. And the third concept was the radical stance. The radical solution. And this was stated thus. Hale's proposition is based on a fiction. We are finally, it took us <laughs> a long, long, long time of human development, Kushal. And Hale makes his declaration in 1736 where it takes us all the way to 1991. Somebody to turn around and say, Hale's position is based on a fiction and moreover a fiction which is inconsistent with the proper relationship between husband and wife today. Why do I say today? Why was this emphasis added? Because we are seeing that in every other material aspect of life, the rights of women have become equal to men. Yeah. Right, And this is the sad part. This was by conferral. This was, it, it, took, it was a long process of conferral by, by which this happened. Now when those rights have become equal, how can you hold any of these old fictions and theories to still apply? For the reasons expressed in a Scottish judgment, it is repugnant and illogical in that it permits a husband to be punished for treating his wife with violence in the course of rape, but not for the rape itself, which is an aggravated and vicious form of violence. So if you were to commit an act of battery upon the wife, to hit her, render her unconscious, unconscious and then force herself upon her, You can be charged for the act of violence, which was the battery, but not for the rape itself, which is a much more vicious form of violence. These absurdities need to go. But the court accepted something which is going to be a a fact in issue, major point of issue in our proceedings in the Delhi High Court as well. The court noted that in choosing a third option, it might be trampling on the realm of power. I understand this. In the UK, courts defer to Parliament. Generally defer to Parliament. Much more than our courts do. For them, this was radical. However, because the world had changed so drastically since the time that Hale first stated the exemption, the idea had become a mere legal fiction. Therefore, the court held that a rapist remained the rapist subject to the criminal law, irrespective of his relationship with the victim. This is not the creation of a new offense. Please mark this. This is very important because this is One of the principal objections arising from one of the judges on the bench and from uh, those opposing is Simpliciter striking down of that exception too. This is not the creation of a new offense. It is the removal of a common law fiction which has become anachronistic and offensive and we consider that it is our duty having reached that conclusion to act upon it. Now, what is the difference between this and us? Hale gives you a legal fiction that is in a judgment Parliament gives you an act, the UK Parliament gives you an act where it uses the word unlawful sex, but that is only an interpretative issue of whether it exempts marital rape or not. Indian Parliament gives you a specific marital rape exemption. Khiabash. Correct? If it gives a specific marital rape exemption, how can a parliament, how can, so therefore the question is validly raised in the Delhi High Court judgment. in in really high court proceedings. That if the exception exists to legislate out of the... to to remove this exception is now an act of legislation. And therefore, this discussion in uh, R versus R in the UK stands on a slightly different footing than our case today. Okay. What makes the tension between the previous marital rape case decisions and that of Owen of the House of Lords even more interesting is the consideration of exposed factor laws. Hmm. Now, this particular objection that the House of Lords effectively created a new crime this was taken up by the husband to the European Court of Human Rights.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. Despite the fact that the House of Lords opinion specifically cited the criminal appeals court wording that this did not create a new crime, the husband appealed this to the court, the European Court of Human Rights claiming a violation of Article 7 one of the Convention. That court found into earlier that a common law court could exercise their customary role of developing the law through cases. Remember, I told you that. They developed the law through cases. So long hmm. as the changes in the law were reasonably foreseeable, here the court reasoned that the underlying law already explicitly contained the exceptions to the general rule. Further, as the underlying crime of rape was sufficiently defined in the law, it was possible for the defendant to have sufficient knowledge to know that this act of raping is by it constituted a crime. But that is because their statute did not have something similar to exception two in India.
0: Mm. exception 2 just to remind everyone of section 375 of IPC
1: yeah now I was thinking we will go to the Indian law yes you have seen the history you have seen a lot of the arguments that are going to be repetitively raised I'll present them in the terms 14, 21 etc privacy etc as they are being raised in the court and what the rebuttals are and what the center's position is right so i think now if you can pull up that 375.
0: 375 up no? okay
1: ha. okay Haanji,
0: 375 on the screen
1: ha. first and foremost please note a man is submit set to commit rape. In the uh yes. Varma committee of which I was a part, our recommendation had been that there should be a gender neutral uh provision. But
0: yeah, because uh in the case of uh lesbians and gay people, Firunka Repini recognize
1: that's the problem. That's the problem. So I, I think there will eventually be a, but that equality argument is going to get raised eventually. So it's not a problem so much. But anyway, be that as it Nee, it's not because it does recognize that the overarching reality is that of uh, patriarchy. So th- th- you can say that theoretically the offense can arise from different circumstances but really it is a man on woman crime.
0: No, I-, I get the overwhelming evidence but uh, the job of the law cannot be to just look at the overwhelming evidence of one side, there. See every no, society no, one has two to five percent. They're, they're not looking at people, overwhelming. So they're, evidence.
1: they're looking at the overwhelming number of cases, right? But I agree with you that the concept is that of de- deprivation of consent in the act of sex in, in a sexual act that should apply to one and all. Anyway, and, let yeah, me read. and
0: even in a heterosexual marriage, you know, what if a man is raped by a woman? I mean, even if it is the rarest of rare cases, but the law should be built on the premise of equality and uniformity, right? Hmm.
1: So, So, I'm going to read a bit of this. Huh? A man is said to commit rape if he penetrates his penis to any extent into the vagina, mouth, urethra or anus of a woman or makes her do so with him or any other person. Right? Hmm. A a number of these were added in. It used to be a much narrower definition by the Varma committee. By recommendations made Hmm. by the Varma committee which parliament then accepted. Hmm. A man is said to commit rape. If he inserts to any extent any object or part of the body not being the penis into the vagina, the urethra or inus of a woman or makes her... And this is very important, because this means you can commit rape with your fingers. You can commit rape with your digits. And this is the allegation against Tarun Tejpa. Gosh. Just, just... Right?
0: <sighs>
1: and the... Uh, and clause C then deals with... Uh, clause D then deals with uh, oral sex as a form of rape. Uh, hmm. Now come to under the circumstances following, falling under any of the following seven descriptions. If you do these acts un- in the following circumstances, it amounts to rape. Firstly, against her will. Secondly, without her consent. So there's a distinction between will ye- and consent.
0: Ye, ye fir clear-cut case ho na, ki marital rape karna That's
1: what I'm trying to get at, slowly. Right? Against her will without her consent are two separate circumstances. So therefore, will and consent are separately understood and separately defined. The interesting thing I found is that under UK law, also will and consent are separate. But the UK law completely discards the concept of will because they look against they look at against her will being only a form of forceful rape. Only if force is used as a will overridden, whereas consent can be overridden even in a normal circumstance. They look at it that way. In Indian law, we say. Will is a state of mind. Consent is the statement of that state of mind. So it may, you may be, if you're silent, it is still against your will. Even if your consent has not been conveyed. Or the absence of your consent Hmm? has not been conveyed. Right? right. But there's something very important in the way this is drafted. Against her will, without her consent. It is Mm. not... St- drafted in the positive sense of where she openly consents. Mm. It is without her consent. Got it. Got it. Got it.
0: So therefore, samad the it, man as it, man. a
1: rapist must have the state of mind that he knows that she is not consenting. Mm. Right. And if and because of that, a lot of rape prosecutions fail. Because so he says, because of our circumstances, I assume consent. And they fail also because of something that you had brought up earlier on in this podcast, which was that a lot of rape occurs between family members within or, or people within uh, uh, the, within or amongst a group that, that the woman intimately knows, personally knows.
0: Yeah, e- my question is You know, the biggest problem with something like this is every time the question of evidence comes, the evidence, how do you get the evidence? In fact, one of the weird weird arguments that comes like uh how do you rely on, like do you go on forensics and and you know with marital rape the argument is that if you camera in the room me so you camera
1: you're getting to the to a major part of the point I, I, why i am reading this is actually i'm just laying out some basics so that people understand the law of rape this is a good opportunity to understand at least at a prima facie level the law of rape but indian statute Has a lot of modulators, I call them, where how the consent is to be conveyed, whether consent is to be proved, not proved, stands modified. Hmm. Okay, anyway, let me proceed. Thirdly, with her consent, when a consent has been obtained by putting her or any person in whom she is interested in fear of death or of hurt, this is a coerced consent. Fourthly, Mm -hmm. with her consent when the man knows that he is not her husband and that her consent is given because she believes that he is another man to whom she is or believes herself to be lawfully married. A misconception on marriage. Fifthly, Mm -hmm. with her consent when at the time of giving such consent by reason of unsoundness of mind or intoxication or the administration by him personally or through another of any stupefying or unwholesome substance, she is unable to understand the nature and consequences of that which to, she, to which she gives consent. So basically, intoxication, mm. drugs, alcohol, that kind of thing. Huh.
0: You spike Date someone's rape. drink or stuff like
1: that. Date rape. Date rape falls under 50. Six. Yes, yes. With yes. or without her consent when she is under 18 years of age. So that's an absolute bar. With or without her consent under the age of 18. 18 is now what the law is today. It used to be 16.
0: Huh.
1: Right? Which is one of those things that does bother you, is a different, different argument. Uh, when she is unable to communicate consent, right? Mm-hmm. A, a woman is sleeping. You have sex. She is unable to communicate consent.
0: Yeah, but this may, problem India uniform civil code. Then we will have that weird case of other religions considering marriage at a different
1: time. That is not an issue right now, right? That is not. A... See, I I know what you're trying to say and it it arises. We'll see when those cases arise because Abito, you don't even have the marital rape exemption. So I don't even know the law. And I know it arises mostly in the case of underage girls is sixthly with or without a consent when she's under 18 years of age. In a lot of, uh, in, in a few judgments under personal Islamic law, sex with a 16 year old or a 17 year old has been held to be... Not rape, not statutory rape, because he ends up marrying them.
0: If thats so messed up.
1: It is messed up. It's—it's a—it's a, it's another piece of religious arbitrage.
0: Oh, it's just disgusting,
1: right? Uh, consent means I'm going to skip explanation. One explanation to is consent means an unequivocal, voluntary agreement when the woman, by words, gestures, or any form of verbal or non-verbal communication communicates willingness to participate in the specific sexual act provided that a woman who does not physically resist to the act of penetration shall not by reason only of that fact be regarded as consenting to the sexual activity you don't need to fight and kick and, and 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 scratch to show that you did not consent right but you as much as this rule can exist the idea is generally it is inevitable that in Criminal trial cases, this is what arises that you could have, you could have raised an issue and, and expressed your absence of consent far more vehemently than you claim to have. Because in the absence of that evidence, I can't really convict. And that is why these cases become a he said, she said kind of proposition. And there's very rarely good evidence to, to convict. And so you have Supreme Court judgments that say you can convict solely on the prosecutor's own testimony. That mm. is not the kind of evidentiary standard that exists in any other law.
0: Yeah, I just see so many problems with uh, you know conviction and evidence in, in rape in general. Marital rape, the way best this is
1: God. why there is no country in the world where conviction rates are high. Yeah, it's
0: just impossible. All right,
1: so, I'm going to come to 370. 370 uh, exception 1, a medical procedure intervention shall not constitute rape. So OBGYNs mm. don't need to worry. Uh, mm. Sexual intercourse or sexual acts by a man with his own wife, the wife not being under 15 years of age is not rape. This is what we're discussing today. Now the punishment for rape.
0: That's dis- whoever
1: except in, Sorry. Whoever except It's not disgusting. This is the way rape is defined. You know, it's in fact and tries to cover answers. It's an unholy situation that you have to deal with. I used to have a criminal college uh, who basically refused to teach us law properly because he was just too shy. <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't in a classroom full of young adults speak about rape without literally melting. We have to deal with this. for rape, who well, are except in the case provided for in section two rape can be punished with rigorous inscription term, which shall not be, be less than seven years but which may extend to imprisonment for life, which shall also be liable to fine. Degrees that are set out in 376.2, right? Of the kind of situations where you are in custody of a person, what is called as having control over a person through lawful means. And because of that control, you are able to, and that creates a situation of trust between the victim and you, and you violate that trust. Right, so Mm -hmm. I'll read those out whoever being a police officer commits rape within the limits of the police station to which the police officer is appointed or in the premises of any station house or on a woman in such police officer's custody or in the custody of a police officer subordinate to such police officer um, or being a public servant commits rape on a woman in such public servant's custody or being a member of the armed forces deployed in the area by central or state government commits rape in such area or being the uh, by the way this one is exempted by AFSPA. Being the management of, of the staff of a jail, remand home or other place of custody established by or under any law for the time being enforced or of a woman's or children's institution commits rape on any inmate of such jail, remand home, place or institution. Or being on the management of the staff of a hospital commits rape. Being a relative, guardian or teacher commits rape. Commits rape during communal sectarian violence. Commits rape on a woman knowing her to be pregnant. Or commits rape knowing when... On a woman, she's under 16 years of age, commits rape on a woman incapable of giving consent, so on and so forth. Shall be punished with recursive imprisonment for a term which shall not be less than 10 years. Pele 7tha, in cases, mm. minute. Take it, inkoham zara, mm. serious month. Then there were certain additions made because uh, of recommendations in the Varma committee report, which are punishment for causing death or resulting in pu- persistent vegetative state of the victim. And the difference that they have done here is they have imposed the death penalty here. Uh, we had opposed the death uh, just, penalty. Just
0: Austin. to man- remind people, Varma committee report was 2012. when like just after gigantic-
1: Nirbhaya is December 2012. The report is submitted in January 2013. And these changes are made in 2013-2014. Hmm. Right? Sexual intercourse by husband upon his wife during separation. This is very important for our discussion. Keep this Mm. in mind. Right? You remember all those English judgments that I showed to you that there is a... When cohabitation is breached, now the court is willing to say that that is rape by itself. Mm. Whoever has sexual intercourse with his own wife who is living separately. Please note the word living separately. We are very careful about this. Not... Judicially separated, but living separately. Hmm. Whether under a decree of separation or otherwise, without her consent, shall be punished with imprisonment of either description for a term which shall not be less than two years, but which may extend to seven years and shall also be liable to fine. Now see the punishment has changed. So this value judgment is made even in the case of a judicial separation or, or not even a judicial separation, a normal separation. What would happen is that if a judicial separation ha- exists, then it'll go up to seven years, because then there is a clarity that you had that consent had been withdrawn. But if it is only her living separately, then it is two years. If there is great conveyance of the fact that great evidence on the conveyance of the fact that uh, that consent no longer existed, it might be somewhere between that two to seven range. Right, but 376B. Is a very specific circumstance relating to marital rape. Hmm. Right? It is that one exception. In 376B, the state of marriage exists. Right? But what does the court, what makes it easier to prosecute is that her moving away, living separately, creates Hmm. an easier evidentiary standard. Because you were correct in pointing out there seems to be a lot of evidentiary problems that will arise. And that is the main plinth of the argument against the petitioners in the the Delhi High Court. The short answer Mm. to this by Colin Gonzalez has been let the trial courts deal with it when they deal with it. They'll figure out evidence. Okay? But this is... 376B shows to you that there is a different kind of circumstance in which... Yeah, but
0: just, just to add, I mean, the evidence would be the same. Now, nah? what is used as an evidence in the case of a rape in general? Sorry? evidence to rape mein evidence, hoti, wohi marital rape mein hogi. Aur kya hoga?
1: To the fact of whether or not rape is occurred. Right? To the fact hmm. or not whether rape has occurred. But to the breach of the marital relationship, the fact of living separately first arises, right? This is an exception to actually 370 ex- D as I see it. Is a separate offense, but it is it is enacted because of the problems related to exception two on marital rape. 376C is sexual intercourse by a personal authority, and 376D is gang rape. Uh, those are non material to our discussion today, but I wanted to show to you that there are certain distinctions drawn. Now, can you pull up? I'd asked you, Kushal, to pull up 114A of the Evidence Act.
0: Yeah, I'll pull it up. This is it here. They just have one A, B, C, D, E, G. Pata kya kya clauses. Hai.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Presumption as to absence of consent in certain prosecutions uh, for, rape. for rape.
1: Right. So there's a presumption that consent does not arise at all in these cases. In a okay. prosecution for rape under clause A, clause B, clause C, clause D, E, K L M, or N of section two of 376 of the Indian Penal Code where sexual intercourse by the accused is proved. And the question is whether it was without the consent of the woman alleged to have been raped. And such woman states that her evidence before the court that she did not consent, the court should presume that she did not consent. Right? So this puts the onus back on the accused. But which are these cases? Which are these cases we're looking at? Can you come back to 376 again? I know it's a bit inconvenient, but you need to come back to
0: 376. I'll do that. I'll do that.
1: Sorry, I think there's a. Can you come back to three seventy six two again? Yeah. Right. This is one. Right? Go to two. Go to two. I had read out two, these right? in general. Sorry. This is it. This, this is, is it. two. This two is right on this. This screen. is it. This is it. This is it. This is fine. I had read out all of these in general. Because these were very specific kinds of circumstances and cases where the nature of the relationship between the two individuals concerned would establish that rape does not exist. That's sorry, that that there is no sexual expectation. And because there's no Mm -hmm. sexual expectation, parliament is more comfortable in saying that we could now have a presumption against the consent being granted in these cases. Right? Right. That is not to say that because the presumption is made, the presumption can be rebutted. Every presumption is by definition rebuttable. You can lead evidence. So let's take just an example. And a police officer commits rape within the police station to which such police officer is appointed. A police officer is there with a woman. She is an accused in a case. But for whatever reason, they start, or she is a witness in a case. She is present in the station. Things happen between them. They're, they want to get it on. They get it on right? She later places a charge against him. He can establish that there were relations between us. There was evidence that there are relations between us that did not altogether obviate having engagement in sensual sex in that police station on that day. Just as an example to show that the presumption is rebuttable. Right? But the problem Mm -hmm. that happens in the the larger argument is people start saying well, and, and go back again to what I was saying that the, the worry is that a new statute is being created. Now, 114A exists and it makes certain presumptions as to consent mm. and obviates consent in certain circumstances. So, therefore, at least at the very least, the Indian, the Indian law of rape, statutory law of rape has this modulation possible, right? So, you have 375, which is the definitional, main definitional section. But 376 that creates new categories. 376 two creates several independent categories. 376 B, C, and D create independent categories, mm. and we look at severity separately. Some are punished higher, some are punished lower. Right. So if Parliament were, if if the if a court were to simply strike down exception two and say the exemption from marital rape does no longer exist. It is, in fact, legislating because it is making a value-based choice that marital rape at, stands at parity with all those kinds of rape that fit under only 375. That's, I, I mean, I haven't followed this beyond, you know, some of the uh, the Twitter feed of Live Law, etc., I hope this is the way the argument is presented because this is the main, this is the main question that arises. now, Right. And that is not Mm. to say that nobody is appalled by the idea of marital rape. But are you now stepping into a domain where you're precluding the way parliament would deal with it? And what does the central government do? The central government comes to court and files an affidavit and repeatedly tries to file it even earlier saying, look, we are comprehensively dealing with not just this, we are dealing with a comprehensive amendment of criminal laws per se. Mm. Right? Now, let me bring you back to an old podcast we have done where uh, Aarti was also present. Mm. You remember that one where I where I had explained the l- criminal procedure relating to uh,
0: IPC ka introduction diya tha.
1: CRPC CRPC, CRPC the sorry, pro- CRPC Right? What did I explain there? Two very important concepts. Cognizable, non-bailable. 376, 375 are cognizable, non-bailable. If you strike down the law of rape today, the exception today, you have created a cognizable, non-bailable situation. And this is an allegation of rape. Men will have to be arrested straight away. Right? Right? The short answer to that is why shouldn't they be if they're committing rape in a marriage? But the problem that arises is that evidentiary issue.
0: Yeah. And misuse where of the law is, is a, also where there. There
1: is a natural separation between the two parties, right? Like all those categories in 376-2, the prevalence mm. of, say, semen stains, the prevalence of, say, injury marks, yes. timing, meeting, all of those things help to establish that this is the man who did it. Hmm. Right? But in marriage, the expectation is that this is the man who, who has been sexually active.
0: Mm.
1: So where is the defense then? Right? So you couldn't mm. use something like 114A in the case of marital rape and say, we're going to assume the absence of consent. Mm. Because the state of sexual activity between the two is a natural state now. Please note, I'm saying sexual activity, not rape. The state of sexual activity between the two is a natural state now. So you can't...
0: Sexual activity would be consensual.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you cannot impose a 114A kind of removal of the assumption of consent in this kind of case. Got it. All right. Now you don't do that. If you don't do that, now you end up with a situation where this man and this woman are generally expected to have sex. Habitually have sex with each other. No problem at all with that. And let's assume there is no physical violence. There is no other uh, statement. There is no admission. There is nothing. How do you prove it? And that has been the...
0: This is a dead end, I think, this subject.
1: All over the world. All over the world, that has been the experience. See, not all... In India, again, I come back to that old podcast. Because it is cognizable, non-bailable... Arrest will happen and a charge sheet has to be filed and a trial has to happen. Closure reports are rarely accepted. Whereas mm-hmm. abroad, in, in whether it be Australia, the UK or the US, the system is, you first take it to the prosecutors and you ask them, do we have enough evidence to proceed? Mm. Right? And then what are the consequences to the marital relationship? If you make an allegation of rape and fail to prove it, does that mean that a charge of cruelty also cannot lie? That you have established mm. that cruelty never existed. Or sexual violence never existed. Mm. So there are problems that all of these issues together, this is why center comes around and says we need to pass the law. But the message that needs to go to the center is quite clear. You cannot allow this exception to, to continue. You can do it by parliamentary law now. And this is the message the court is giving. You can do it by parliamentary law oh we are going to bloody well do this for you and when they do it it is going to be a bit of an elephants foot approach because exception 2 will fall and there are no other there are no other changes to crpc there are no other changes to uh, consent issues under 114a and the next thing you know the moment a charge is placed men are being uh, arrested and if i'm just going to extrapolate because i know there will be a lot of false cases there have been a lot of false cases under 498a there have been a lot of false cases under dv and when that starts happening, eventually the efficacy of that allegation will erode. And we're back to square one. We're back to a situation where theoretically you will have a, a an offense called marital rape, but practically no one's going to enforce it. Hmm. So I am quite clear and I wanted to actually write exactly in this way in that parliament and the central government have put the court in a very difficult position. And they need to take a position now and alter this situation, pass the necessary legislative changes so that everything gets accommodated. Possibly you may consider that if a rape charge is levied by a woman against a man, the first thing that needs to happen is a judicial separation, an automatic judicial separation. So you're not in the same home. But because it is in a marital circumstance that rape has occurred, arrest will have to be for a limited period of time, only for the purpose of investigation. You can have a police custody, but you needn't have a judicial custody for it. If you remember those two concepts, police custody can only last for 15 days in total. That allows the police to have control over the accused and investigate him. Judicial custody is when you're sent to Tihar or Arthur J. So no judicial custody, but you can have police custody. So these yeah, kind of modulations think... are things that the central government has to now consider and bring into force. Because if they don't do it, I don't think there is any good argument to say that other than the ones that I've shown to you, other than deferred, deference to parliament, etc., where once the Delhi High Court strikes this down, the floodgates are going to open. And that responsibility, in my view, will not be on the Delhi High Court. That responsibility will be with the central government and parliament.
0: So so let me understand this. You are saying that this needs a completely new law, first of all, because of it the... Needs a separate the legal, court. Yeah. Martin I think, court. needs a separate court. Yeah, and and to create that code, we might have to amend certain codes currently in our IPC to deal with this. Uh, this certain means. sections
1: in the IPC, certain sections possibly in the CRPC, maybe some in the Evidence Act.
0: Okay, so that that's all. But the biggest problem I and, and see court can't the do
1: that. Court can't do that.
0: Yeah, I get it. That has to be through the legislature. The biggest problem I I see in a society like ours, and I'm not making a legal point, is that. This is the thing separate. In our Savaj, we know inheritance is not stable. They are totally dependent on the husband. They are totally dependent husband. They are stable. dependent on the husband. They are totally dependent on the husband. They are totally dependent on the husband. They are the husband. They if a woman demands separation, India me to He
1: will have to leave. Domestic violence He will
0: have to leave. और and he
1: pays for that home, he pays for the maintenance in that point in time. See, these are all very complex things. All of this can only be done by Parliament.
0: Yeah, honestly, if you ask my opinion, because we'll have to wrap it up also, I think not only does the parliament need to do it, I think this has to be a massive social movement where, whether we like it or not, most divorce cases in India are not settled by courts, they're settled by you know community arbitrators. Like, I'll give you an example, in Bombay because my exposure to the gujarati community and the kachi community is far more than the punjabi community so what happens in these communities is they have elders on both sides in fact they, their rule is that you pick the elders whom both sides trust they sit down and they settle the case we don't want to go in the courts because courts may jayenge to Gandhi hone wala and i think uh, i mean i know a few friends who have gone through this route and the woman has actually received a, a proper compensation too Oh, point is in a country like India, what are we going to do with this? This is just the wild west, I feel.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you talk about India. I I was reading all of that to to you about the UK. It's the same in the UK, but it's not like it's different. But I'll tell you what changes. I'll tell you what changes. And this was a very interesting uh, survey that I read. 65 plus people above the age of 65 in the UK... Around 70 to 72% didn't quite understand what marital rape meant. When is it rape, when it is not, when it isn't. But more than 80 odd percent of 16 to 24 year olds did. Right, so the younger generation understands better. But that's also possible because the 16 to 24 year olds aren't really married yet. So, yeah got into that consent situation.
0: I, I was immediately going to tell you that oh, so so, you
1: know, we, we have these standing jokes about sexual relations in marriages after a certain period of years being fairly perfunctory. You know, yeah. and, and these jokes are supposed to be funny jokes about marriage. Whether you find them funny or not is not the point. The point is they tend to indicate a certain, a certain sexual stagnancy within marital relations. This is also borne out by psychological studies, psychiatric psychiatric studies, and what happens is that you you are possibly having sex out of a sense of obligation or a sense of you know pursuit of trying to rekindle the passion or whatever it may be. Are those situations of not consent? See, these are all tricky things.
0: No, I I, I totally agree with you. That to legislate something as tricky as this, I mean, it's very hard. It is so it is hard. Good. There are there, there are couples who are into weird things. What are you gonna do there? That it, it is what it is. More
1: than that, more than that. Uh, even the bench of the Delhi High Court, it's a two-judge bench. On first sight, it is looking fairly equally divided. And look, my purpose today, I, I hope you understand in the later part of this podcast, I have always said the problem is. The theory of why marital rape exemption exists simply cannot be accepted, hmm. right? But the practicality of how it is to be enforced is so difficult.
0: I, I 100% and, agree with you. In and, fact, and uh, the, after short, hearing and the short you, evidence
1: of that is whether it is Australia, the UK, or the or many states of the US. Less than one to two percent of all allegations of marital rape actually make it a trial and an even yes. minuscule amount actually amount to punishment.
0: Yeah, so in Australia, I guess uh, Nainika just shared this with me. So uh, I guess one case in Australia is this one. Jury rejects scorned woman defense in rare marital rape conviction. I don't know what this case is, so I'm not going to... No, so let, me,
1: let me draw out certain categories. There are three categories of rape typically understood. One is battered rape which is where the offense of battery also occurs, which is really you're physically thrashing someone as well. Even in mm. a marital rape scenario, a battered rape gives you a higher likelihood of a conviction. The second is mm. a forced rape, where the amount of force used is just enough to affect the rape, but it may not leave substantial bodily scars and substantial bodily injuries to establish mm. the rape itself. The third is where there is no evidence whatsoever.
0: Yeah, what do you do then?
1: You know, that is why these circumstances are so difficult to understand and prosecute.
0: Let e- right. l- like so alone marital right. rape, even regular uh, matlab, jo outside the marriage, rapes. Yeah,
1: but there is a difference there, boss. One of the questions, this is why I was reading 114A and 376 to you. One of the questions that arises the nature of the relationship that we have. There is no reason for us to be having sex, hmm. which disappears in, mar- in, in a marital relationship. That hmm. is why. Justice Harishankar is very correctly asking, but what about the nature of marriage? The nature of marriage changes things. Mm-hmm. Everybody, what is the argument? The Article 14 argument being raised is even a sexual worker, sex worker, has a right to claim rape, but a wife does not. It's a mm-hmm. very compelling and emotional argument at first glance, right? Mm. But he says a sexual worker... Can retract consent in a way in which you cannot establish with a marital relationship. Hmm.
0: There are no good answers. Honestly, there are I good don't know. You know, there are no good answers. You know, the, the, no good answers. <laughs> and and this viewer. is a
1: larger problem that that what it will lead to is that you, when you first, when you make the allegation, the marriage is dead. Right, it's it, so you. Simply can't continue to remain married up. The Marriage is dead mm. at that point, and this is the thing that's worrying a lot of people. I generally don't think that it will be as broad-based or as as uh, as common as people think. Uh, but we also can't just sweep it under the carpet. So that's why I would always urge Parliament has to get together and sort this out
0: yeah and and just you know before we close i just want to because... let
1: them, like, if they want to sort it out in the negative let them sort it out in the negative let them turn on and say sorry we reject everything you cannot hold this to be unconstitutional we are willing to fight this in the supreme court whatever basis of judgment you provide we're going to erase that basis also and say marital rape will will forever remain an exception in india if you want to do it that way you do it that way but you've got to now you've got to now intervene and deal with this And really the Mm. only way to deal with it is to accept that marital rape is a reality. It is a substantial reality. And that marital rape is not reported for those statistics you were reading at the top of the podcast. It is not reported as much because there is no basis of the reportage.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: What are you going to report when there is nothing to do? When you report this, you say this, then what? Nothing. Yeah. Right? You have to accept this reality. You have to now legislate intelligently and sensitively about it. And I promise you, Kushal, if they do all of that, even then, 10 years later, you and I are going to be sitting and talking about how this whole law is entirely failed.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Because it has failed all over the world. Yeah. This is a very sad and harsh, chastening reality.
0: Yeah. I mean, like a live viewer just wrote this. Depressing podcast, no solution in sight. So, sometimes you know, there are no solutions. Look, I will wrap today's discussion up because we have depressed people enough. No questions, no, uh, they were, but most of them were incorporated in your answers. Joe questions say it was if most of the questions were about the evidence and you have already answered it, then they were about the exceptions you covered it in the law. No, only one question, I will answer it and end. There is this argument, which is the base level. I don't want to use the uh, I don't know the traditionalist or the conservative argument that you know. Okay, so somebody has said, why are Indian men so insecure about laws relating to violence against women and seal it or, okay, so I'll I'll just state it out. You know, oh, if we do this, divorces will happen, society will collapse, blah 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 blah. First of all, uh, these laws exist in many countries. Divorce rates did not go particularly. There is no study indicating that after marital rape laws were, uh, you know, enacted, suddenly divorce rates uh, spike through the roof in any of these countries. So, first Absolutely. of all, that's a mis. There no is no, a no, mis- I, I, have,
1: I have a simpler first first principle answer to this, boss. If you are treating your wife like this, let you let, let you be divorced first. Why should you be in a yeah, marriage? Yeah. And, and sec-
0: my second answer is that, uh, what is this? So, a particular person, man or woman, it doesn't matter has to be subjugated ad infinitum because you need uh, to save the institution of marriage has to be the worst argument I've ever heard in my life.
1: Okay, but but let me play devil's advocate to this. It is an indisputable Uh fact that whether it is charges of cruelty or domestic violence, they have Mm -hmm. been used tactically to elevate the quantum of settlement in a divorce.
0: That I know. It is, it is, once that in becomes
1: India. a charge of rape, especially with the non bailable and uh, cognizable element to it, you know that the scale goes to a different position.
0: So the law should take care of things like this, where you successfully prove that this charge was false. The the fine on the person putting this accusation would act as a deterrent, too.
1: So, not I a fine. In fact, uh, going further, the, 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 the one of the high courts or was it the Supreme Court just, the, just yesterday or today I read a judgment or just read fleetingly uh, a mention, sorry, I've not read the judgment but read fleetingly a mention of it on Live Law or on Baron Bench talking about uh, how it was established in that case that a false rape case has been filed and the court is like this we are not going to let go of this time. Hmm. We're not going to let go of it this time. Otherwise, when all of these laws were being enacted Back then, 498A or any reason, you know, parliamentarians got up and said, forget it. We are not going to create any rule that for a false case, you will be imprisoned.
0: And, and, and just to, you know, as if a false murder case is fine, but a false marital rape case is not, uh, not fine. If you have a false deka, a murder case, t- Murder
1: cases are harder to uh, levy a charge. A false murder case is much harder to levy a charge.
0: Aray, point Voni AR false kohi case k false charges are false charges. Na that's my whole yeah, point. But there ye, are very few. Ye so, ye see, jo-
1: you can have an that that argument is that you can have abuse of any law, and the and the possibility of abuse is no basis for establishing constitutionality one way or another. That's an indisputable proposition. But because sexual intercourse is a natural circumstance within a marriage, the fear of uh the, prob- the fear and probability rises more in marital relations. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to do my is, best to prevent arguments on both sides.
0: If, if people have a problem with this, they can move to Pakistan where this law will never come, first of all. <laughs> uh, or they can just not. That's, get married. that's not a
1: feasible reality, right? I mean, we can't now have a liberal version of go to Pakistan yeah. I mean, we have had enough of There to has Pakistan. to
0: be. <laughs> Aray, maja aata hai. Because it's a stupid argument. That means for your stupid larger narrative. of the, know, Who the hell are you to decide for the entire society? You don't want to. Don't. And I don't know. Uh, I think this, this has to come. How it will come, I don't know. Uh, I personally think this law will be a failure even after fixing the problem.
1: That's, that's I think the this fear. law
0: will be a failure because it has a conceptual problem. It has a conceptual problem. That's why this law will be a failure. But it still has to go through it. The debates need to happen. And you know, and all those are marriage is a you know spiritual bond according to my religious view. spiritual yeah, and, and if you don't
1: enact the law, right, you don't go through the rigor of various judgments dealing with different kinds of evidentiary situations, you don't go with the rigor of various situations of uh, rebuttal of uh, kinds and different natures of allegation if you don't go through that experience you can't start making smaller categories and, and more defined categories let at least some people get justice if not uh, we understand everybody want let at least some people get justice mm-hmm.
0: I agree with you I this is why I wanted
1: to this is why I wanted to read all of the all the theory that I was reading in the early part because the problem is those are the only kinds of justifications that established this exception. Right? So again, I I just want to end with this. In theory, indefensible. In practice, inoperative. We are so badly stuck.
0: Yeah. And you know, to all these people who have a problem with marital rape, these are the same arguments the Muslim community gives for Nikah Halala and many other things. This is the same mindset every time society will collapse, this is our way, this is our religion. But too bad, your ideas suck, and That's society it. keeps moving
1: That's
0: forward. It. That's it. Yeah. Too bad, your ideas suck, and society will move forward with you, without you, in spite of you. And on that wonderful note, where we have not given any answer, we will close today's podcast. Uh, as always, Nikhil, pleasure talking to you. Today, you have depression. The work you have I have not So,
1: Thanks so much. I can I can only relate what reality is, and as I as I see it and understand it,
0: Great. So, guys, please go and follow Nikhil on Twitter. Uh, his Twitter handle is right there in the description of the podcast. It doesn't matter if you're listening to the audio version or the video version. And if you like what I do over here, uh, I do a very good job at depressing you sometimes like I did today. Please support the podcast. Please support it on YouTube or on Patreon or by UPI or by the merch. And uh, You can subscribe to the channel, like the video. I will see you next week with another interesting guest. Until then, namaste. Take care. Bye.